How would you define the eternal purpose of the church? What would you say is the mission of the church, the purpose of the church? What should we be doing? What should we be after? What should you personally be doing? Um, today we're going to be after that question in Acts 18. We're going to see how practically that unfolds, how that unveils um, as the church moves forth. Um, Paul is going to leave Ephesus where he's been ministering. Um, and now a new person by the name of Apollos is going to come on the scene and he's going to be sharing forth the Word of God and, um, and, and kind of searching after this question of what's the purpose of the church as we look at Acts 18 unfolding. Um, it, it's rooted in Paul's words to the church at Ephesus. And so I want to just kind of go there for a minute, lay a little bit of, of groundwork, and then move into Acts 18. Paul says to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3, which is where um, Apollos is coming to, so there's some connections there, starting to put the connections together. Paul says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me. Look what he says to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So Paul says, listen, I'm called to preach Christ. He says, listen, furthermore, this preaching of Christ is about bringing to light, interesting, for everyone. See that there? He says, listen, this is about bringing to light for everyone. What is the plan and the mystery hidden for ages in God. So you listen. He says, listen, our call is to preach Christ. This is about bringing light. And he says, it's to everyone. He says, this gospel is so important. This news is so, in, so vital. He said, listen, that is what we're called to do. You say, Blake, that's awesome. That's Paul. But that doesn't have anything to do with me. I mean, if I look today in Acts 18, I see uh, Apollos is there. And I see what he's doing. I say, well, you know what? That's awesome for Apollos. But Blake, I'm not Apollos. So what's this got to do with me? Paul says everything. Look what he says back in verse 10. Ephesians 3. So that, right? So how does this come about? Through who? Through who? Through the church. Paul says, listen, the call is to proclaim Christ to everyone. And how is God going to accomplish this? He says, it's through the church. It's through you and your everyday life. God wants to use you to share and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. He says, listen, it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly place. Look at that. It says, it might now. Look at that. It's very interesting. It might now be made known. How? And well, the church now is going to begin to include not only Jewish people, but also Gentiles. But there is such a great work of God happening in the church that Christ is bringing people into unity. Christ is setting people free from their former addictions and sins and, and the things that once enslaved us. God is calling us out of darkness and bringing us to the light. And Paul says, as this is happening, as Christ is coming forth, this mystery that's been hidden for ages is being made known in Christ. He says, and it's the call of the church. And you say, well, Blake, why is it an eternal purpose? Well, that's what Paul says it is. Literally, verse three, verse 11 of Ephesians 3. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul says, listen, guys, it's an eternal purpose for the church to proclaim Christ to who? Everyone. And who's going to do it? The church. Listen, that's not a building. This building won't bring anybody. It's the people. You are the church. You know that. There's never this indication in Scripture that the church is ever some kind of just like this building. And the church is always people. He says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He says, guess what? That old temple in the Old Testament, guess what? You're now it. God's Spirit indwells you to take and to propel you to share the gospel. 
So you say, well, well Blake, that's awesome. Um, if that's the place, then um, what's this really have to do maybe with... Um, why well, should listen to the rest of the message, maybe? Like, okay, great. The answer is Jesus. I know that. I should tell people about Jesus. Great. Check mark. Got that. Maybe I'll tune out the rest of the day. No. What we have to look for now is to say, how does this come about? How does the church... All right, so this is like, this is, this is what we need to be doing, but the question maybe is like, how do we do it? And that's what you're going to see in Acts 18. How do we, as a church, bring about God's eternal purpose of declaring God's glorious goodness, the forgiveness of sins... And so we're going to get to that. So look at me if you would, Acts 18. Acts 18, we left off last week in verse 21. And Paul says, but on taking leave of them, he said, I'll return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Remember, they said, hey, Paul, would you stay longer? He says, no, I can't. Uh, the indication is Paul is headed toward Jerusalem for the Passover. Right? And it's time to be making his way that direction. And so Paul leaves there in Ephesus. Right? Paul heads out. Um, and then it says that he lands at Caesarea. He went up and greeted the church. Interesting, again, we're talking about the church, and uh, the word greet literally means to embrace. And in this day and time, that they would have gone up and they would have given some hugs. They would have maybe given some kisses. Maybe you've seen cultures of that, where they kiss one another on the cheek. Guess what? As a church, we want to be friendly, but if you come here, we're not going to kiss you, all right? So if you're worried about that, right? But what we see is, is that greeting is biblical. That we should be out wanting to welcome one another. We should be intentional about that. And so part of our church is we have a ministry of people that want to greet. They want to be out there on the front steps. They want, to, they want to welcome you and say, well, Blake, why are we doing that? Isn't that what God did for you and I? I mean, didn't God come and meet us? Wasn't it that God that acted and first came and said, hey, I, I'm, I love you. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I don't know about you, but have you ever been somewhere new? And maybe you've been here a long time, but you show up in a place and you don't know uh, where the nursery is. You don't know, donde esta la baño, right? Where's the bathroom, right? That's a pretty important question. Where should my kids go? Where, where can I, I mean, all these questions. So listen, part of greeting the church is an opportunity for us to embrace people as they come in and say, we love you, we are glad that you're here, but ultimately this is about God loving you. So that's what Paul is doing. He's greeting the church and he goes down to Antioch. And, and then this verse 23, I want to spend just a few moments here. It says, after spending some time there, he departed and went through from one place to the next. All right, so this is clearly, if it's going one place to the next, Paul's spending quite a bit of time doing something. And he says he's going through the region of Galatia. All right? So the fact that he's a Galatia, we have the book actually written to the church at Galatia, so the book of Galatians. We're going to go there just for a moment. He says he goes throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So you might ask, how is Paul strengthening disciples? I think two things stand out. First is this, right teaching. Paul tells them, he writes in Galatians chapter 1, he says this, he says, listen guys, I want you all to know that there's only one gospel. You may have people that are deceiving you and trying to mislead you. He says, but I want you guys to know that there's only one gospel. And he's saying, Blake, why is there only one gospel? Give me some clarity on that. Well, look here with me. Paul says in Galatians 2, uh, verse 16 of Galatians 2 is an absolutely beautiful passage. That is, I would encourage you, this is a great one as you're sharing the gospel with people. This is a crucial text that you can use to share because Paul is very poignant. Look what he says. We know, verse, two, or verse 16 of Galatians 2, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through what? Faith. He says, listen, 
If you want to know the word justified, again, we, we say it a lot, but it's really it's, it's kind of a big term. But it's really simply, you're declared justified, never sinned. How can you be before God and be declared not guilty, right? That's a major question, right? Like, how can I stand before God and be innocent? Paul says it is by faith in Jesus Christ. And then look what else he says. All right, just in case you think, well, maybe this is just for the riffraff of us here in the church and not for elite people like Paul. Look what Paul says. So we also, all right, so again, Paul says, hey, listen, this is not only for you guys, this is for me. We also have believed in Christ Jesus. Why, Paul? Why are you doing that? Look what he says. Well, it's in order to be what? Justified by faith. You say, Blake, how could I be declared innocent before God? He says, listen, it is by belief, it is by faith in Christ. He's your only hope. You say, I'm not sure I buy into that. I don't know if I believe that. Paul says, listen, I want you to realize how important this is, how vital this is. He says, and it's not by works of the law because, look what he says here, because why? By works, no one will be justified. He says, listen, There's no other option, guys. There's no other way to get to God. It's only through Jesus Christ. It is by faith and belief and trust in Him. So Paul is laying out before us. He's saying, listen, guys, you may be asking the question, how good is good enough? He says, I want you to know how good or good enough is. You can't do it on your own. Like, no amount of trying will ever get you there. Only Christ, His death in your place, will ever satisfy God. Yesterday, it was... um, I was... Here at the Splash Car Wash. I don't know how good you can see it on the screen, but I, I was there. And what did my wondering eyes should appear but Tim Judd in his pristine vehicle needing to get washed? I was like, dude, if my vehicle looked like that, I would wait a few more months. But he pulls up. And so anyway, he's in the bay next to me. And so like, I don't know if you ever as men, uh, maybe and women, probably sometimes too, maybe like with cooking or, or I, I don't know. Anyway, but uh, and that was that was not intended to be sexist. So hopefully it wasn't. But needless to say, my point nonetheless is this. I'm in the bay next to Tim, and he's washing his vehicle. And here's my thought. I wonder how good I think is good enough would be compared to Tim's good enough. Right? Like, I'm hoping to get my vehicle, like, halfway close to as pristine as his look when it pulled in. Right? And so I'm wearing out of that. And then I start to think about this further. I don't know, Tim. This may be scaring you that I'm having thoughts about you. But anyway, um, Obviously, Tim's an accountant, right? So I'm starting to think, well, hey, listen, this is pretty good. I, I, I like Tim's mentality of, of how he's working on his vehicle. And I, I would think, hey, listen, Tim, if I bring my taxes to you, I don't want you to look at it and say, oh, you know what, that's good enough. That's good enough. Don't worry about that, Blake. It's good enough. Right? I mean, I hope there's some difference in his good enough in what he, he considers for his vehicle and also of his taxes. But imagine this. Imagine you're in the midst of open heart surgery or brain surgery. And some uncra- some crazy way, you wake up in the middle of it and you hear the doctor saying, Ah, you know what? That's good enough. Yeah, it's good enough. Blake, you'll be all right. It's good enough. You cool with that? You see the progression of good enough. I mean, vehicle, good enough, yeah. Taxes, good enough. But like, hey, if you're doing some like surgery on me, open heart, brain, something... I want to, like, hey, let's not get good enough. Let's get it right. And then God said to me, Blake, and this is all in the midst of washing cars. So remember, God speaks to you wherever you are. He said, Blake, have you ever thought about what I think is good enough? That's what Paul's after. See, some of us have this good enough thought. It's kind of like our car. Like, well, we're going to leave some bugs. We're going to leave some. It's not that big a deal. Hey, my taxes, if I kind of get close on it, whatever. God says, listen, you want to know what's good enough? My son was good enough. 
He's the only one that's good enough. You're not good enough as you are. He says, listen, if you want to be good enough in my presence, you've got to be perfect and holy. And no one is. Newsflash. But the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ declares that God came to set us free, to save us, to provide forgiveness before God. And so that is a great declaration. But not only would Paul be talking about right teaching, as he's strengthening, he's strengthening the disciples of the church. Remember, that's what Paul was doing. He's going from one place to the next. I think that Paul would not only be talking about right teaching, but he'd also be talking about right living. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Why should we walk by the Spirit, Paul? He says, says, well, listen, when you walk by the Spirit, or verse 18 is going to say you're led by the Spirit, he says something major happens. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I was sharing the gospel with a gentleman this past week, and we're there talking about it. And we were having an interchange about people needing their lives to change, like needing this or that or whatever. And I said, well, man, I'm going to be really straight with you. The only way for a person to truly be changed is not just like behavior mods, right? I I think we're into that so big, like I need a behavior modification. I need to quit doing this, start doing that. No, what we need is a heart change. We need to be, as Jesus said, born again. We need the Spirit of God to change us. That's the only hope, to be transformed by the Gospel. And so I was just sharing the Gospel with this guy saying, listen, what, what that person you're talking about needs is the same thing you and I need. It's Jesus Christ. Why? Because only by the Spirit of God can you no longer do the things that you used to love to do. We're sharing it this morning in Sunday school. And Jesus says in John chapter 3, I want you to get an idea of how, when you're sharing the gospel, again, if, if the eternal purpose of the church is to proclaim the gospel, I want you to realize what you're up against. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, all right? So pretty much expert witnesses on, on, on spiritual conditions. He says, you want to know the spiritual condition of people apart from me? In John chapter 3, he says, they love darkness and they hate the light. I don't care how persuasive you are, how influential you are, you can't overcome a heart condition like that. Thus, Jesus says, you need a work of the Holy Spirit, church. The people we're sharing with, it's the power of God's Spirit. We can't do this on our own. Right? We are powerless. We are dependent totally upon the Spirit of God. We are, we are to be faithful, sharing the Word of God. But we've got to realize, man, it is the work of the Holy Spirit to bring that about. So look what Paul says further to them. Oh, I'll come back to this just a second. Hold on. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Verse 19 of Galatians 5. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things... will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm going to share with you personally a lot of times what happens when I'm sharing the gospel. Um, I do come to Galatians 5 sometimes, but 1 Corinthians 6 is also a passage I come to. It's similar to this. Paul says the things. Hey, I want you to know people live like this won't inherit the kingdom of God. And here's what usually happens. There's usually some things on the list that those people aren't comfortable with because their lifestyle contradicts that. You know what I do? I share with them my same struggles in all these things. I say sexual immorality, yep, I struggle with that one. Greedy, yep, struggle with that one. 
Right? I mean, their check marks may look a little bit different than mine, but I want them to realize my need is no different than their need. Right? I think we do that. We come to share the gospel with people. We want to put them like in some camp and ourselves in some other camp. No, their, their struggle may look different than mine, but we have the same struggle. We have the same solution and answer, and that is Jesus Christ. So what I do is I share our struggle, I show our condition, and I say, man, here's the only solution the Scripture provides. Run to the cross. That's where I'm going. I'm just compelling you to come with me. Paul is there. He's saying, listen, guys, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, man, it's a struggle, isn't it? I mean, the things that you and I struggle with, um, this visual came to me late last night, and that's our dog. And um, Yeah, you see baby Jay there? Yeah. Um, Anyway, Brother Todd, uh, Josiah, just for this is totally unrelated, but he may have a question for you um, because when you were sharing about what we were praying for this morning, he looked at me and said, Dad, what is Chucky Changers? Because he thought Chucky, Chucky Cheese is coming to Greensburg, right? He's like, I want to be in on that. He's like, Daddy, what's Chucky Changers? Anyway, so I don't know. I, just th- I thought of that for some reason. I don't know why. But anyway, so he may have that question. So anyway. All right, so you see, see the small napkin. What's inside that napkin is what has allured our, my dog's attention. It's chocolate. And she had gone and got it from the trash or got it from somewhere and the boys left something. And she pulled it out and she was walking to her cage. I just happened to be in the same room working on my sermon. I look over and I'm like, Jay, what are you doing? Dropped it. Nothing, right? The moment she sees I'm not looking, guess what she does? Right back to it. Jay. Away. Right back. Jay. Right? I'm not kidding. Like six different times in a period of about a minute, I'm like, see previous answer. And I get up and walk over to her because I'm like, God's like, man, this is a visual for tomorrow. And I get ready to take her picture. And look what she did. Look what her face does. What's it doing? Turned away. And God said, Blake, that's exactly what we do in our sin. That's exactly where your sin has left you and brought you to this morning. It's brought you shame and you feel no longer worthy to come to Christ. You don't feel worthy or good enough to sing a song, read a Bible story. You don't feel worthy to tell anyone about Jesus. I want you to know, see that image? God came and took your shame away on the cross. You don't carry this anymore. That's the freedom that Christ brings. No one else can take your shame away. No one else can take away your your disgrace and the things that you've done. And the beauty is, is that God is right there with you and I when we keep coming back to that napkin saying, no, no, no. No, Blake, no. No, Blake. Blake, did I tell you ten times before? It's the same answer. No. And so often when we mess up, guys, we leave with shame. And the beauty is, is God comes and He says, I took your shame. You don't carry that anymore. For the Son has set you free, you are what? Free indeed. I wonder if anybody here today wants to be free indeed. Freedom. Paul talks about that further, but I want to to move on in the text. So let's come back to Acts 18. Um, Remember, again, why do we do all that? Well, that's what Paul was doing. He was strengthening disciples. Right teaching, right living, pointing them to their need of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the things of the flesh. Um, If you walk further in Galatians 5, you're going to see the different life that Christ is calling us to live. Look what it says. Now a Jew named Apollos. All right, so we, we first meet him here. His name is Apollos. He's a native of Alexandria. He comes to Ephesus, all right? So, again, that's where Paul has just been. Paul is leaving. Now comes in Apollos. And then it says this. He was an eloquent man. The word eloquent indicates that he's well-educated, all right? One um, commentary as I was studying, looking at this, says, this guy has um, he's thought much, he has much to say, and he can say it well. 
this guy's been well trained, okay? So he, he's, he's, a, he's a great, very influential speaker. You say, Blake, well, how, how good a speaker is he? If you ever read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and you read that Paul's saying that, listen, in the church of Corinth, there's people arguing. Some said, I follow Paul. Some said, I follow Peter. And other people said, I follow who? Apollos. How could he ever get amongst the company of people like Paul and Peter? Evidently, this guy, when he spoke, he was powerful. And people are like, hey, listen, dude, I want to say I follow that guy. You know what Paul says? You don't follow any preacher, pope, pastor, reverend. You follow my son, Jesus. Jesus. And so Paul is there and, and he's left the scene and Apollos has come on and, and he's now speaking. He says he's an eloquent man. And then he says this statement here. Listen, that he is competent in the Scriptures. So he, he's been instructed. Verse 28 says, what, well, how's he, how do we know he's competent? Well, we know he's accurately teaching the things about Jesus there. Further in verse 25, but verse 28, he was proving from the Old Testament Scriptures that Jesus was truly the Messiah. How did he get there? Right? Maybe you're here today and say, like, I wish I was more like that. How could I get to a place like that? Look at this beautiful moment right here. This is a moment of discipleship. Right? We, we all of us want to raise up more competent children in the faith. We want them to be grounded in the faith. We want the children and youth that God's sending us week to week. We want to undergird them, teach them the Scriptures. Guess what? He's saying, listen, you want, you want those people to come competent in the Scriptures? You want them to speak with power and persuasiveness as they go forth sharing the good news of the Gospel? Look what it says, how his life had come to this place. He had been what? Instructed. Somebody discipled him. Somebody had poured in and walked beside his life and helped him look at the Scripture, helped him interpret. That is part of the church. Listen, if we want to reach everyone with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's going to start with discipleship here. Training people, instructing them, helping them not only know about the Scriptures, but live it out. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19. Right? He says, listen, guys, I want you to know. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I know that there's a lot going on this morning. I lift it up to you just praying right now that you will keep our minds just focused on your word. Um, God, I pray that we would hear your Scriptures. And, uh, God, that you would point us continually to Christ. So, Lord God, I just lift it up to you right now. Just praying again, Father, that you would not allow us to miss what your word has for us. I ask this in the name of Jesus, Lord. Amen. He says, listen, he is, he is instructing, he's been instructed in the way of the Lord. People have poured into his life. And I'm asking you today, who's pouring into your life? Like, who instructs you? Who, who is teaching you? I encourage you, Sunday school is an awesome time to come and get instructed in the way of the Lord. To let someone intentionally disciple you, 9 o'clock Sunday morning. Sunday nights, we are, we're starting a new thing where we're ask anything, so to speak. Like, hey, you got some questions about the Bible? Let's, let's answer those. Um, we're going to be doing more of that tonight. Wednesday nights, the time where we walk through. Right now, we're walking through the book of John and also the book of First Corinthians. Been on Brother Todd and I, are, who's teaching? Our children and youth ministries continually, intentionally trying to disciple people. We want that to be a part of who we are. So I compel you, right, to, to be a part of, of being discipled. But look what it says here. He's been instructed in the way of the Lord. And then he says he's fervent in spirit. Right? See that? It says he's, he's fervent in spirit. Literally indicates that he's enthusiastic. He's, he's excited. He's on fire. The, the, verb, the word behind it kind of indicates this guy is boiling. Right? I mean, there, there is a burning, as Jeremiah would say. There's a, there's a, his word is in my heart like a fire. There's a burning going on inside the life of Apollos. And you say, well, well Blake, what's actually happening here? All right? 
Again, I want to share this because if you're packing a different translation, you're going to see some different things. So I want to kind of walk a little bit heavier in the text just for a moment to point out what we're dealing with. Acts 18, verse 25. Fervent in spirit is according to the ESV and the New American Standard. You say, Blake, what are these different translations? Well, the ESV and the New American Standard follow pretty close along to the original languages. All right? So sometimes they're a little bit hard to read. King James, similar vein. All right, look what it says, though. King James reads, fervent in the spirit. The YLT, that stands for Young's Literal Translation, that's a translation that says, hey, listen, what do they say in their original languages? If they have seven languages, seven words in the original language, we want to have seven words in our English sentence. That can be very hard to read, but if you want to get a grasp of what's actually being said, it's a great way to look. Well, look, interesting. It says, fervent in the spirit, capital S. Why? And I put the Greek up there just to give you an idea, but the indication here is that's your definite article. All right, so that's the big question. The toe right there indicates a definite article saying this is the Spirit. What's meant by that Apollos is in the Spirit? He's being fervent in the Spirit. The New International says he spoke with great fervor. Um, a New, New Living says he's with an enthusiastic Spirit. So they're saying, hey, listen, this may not mean the Holy Spirit. This just may mean this guy's speaking with passion. Why is that? Because of what verse 25 says, and it's challenging. Again, I want to give you a moment to wrestle with this. So look at the text just for a moment. Verse 25, Acts 18. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. And then the statement here. Though he knew only the baptism of John. What was the baptism of John? John's baptism was one of repentance. Right? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He was the one coming to make straight the way of the Lord. Right? To prepare your hearts to the Messiah's coming. But it's clear from the text that Apollos doesn't know about the other baptism. And what baptism was that? Well, Jesus tells us, Acts chapter 1, verse 5. He says, listen, guys, you guys remember how that John baptized with water. But not many days from now, you're going to be baptized with what? The Holy Spirit. That would happen in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. So, again, we're not sure necessarily what's going on here. What's clear is, is the Spirit is at work. I would, I would say it's the Holy Spirit at work in him. Even though he has a deficient understanding, again, how does that happen? Listen, the book of Acts is transitional, and theologically at times it's very hard to grasp like, hey, this isn't as clear-cut as I would like. So one of the things you often do is you're looking and making interpretive decisions. You look at the rest of the New Testament. Say, okay, well, what's Paul say maybe in Romans? And what do I read over in Ephesians? And, and what might I hear as I come there in Thessalonians? Is there something there that provides more clarity? So again, those are things we're looking at. But needless to say, I point that to you. Why? Because look what it says here. Look what it says. He's... he's been instructed in the way of the Lord. He spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. So the fervent in spirit leads to a speaking and a teaching that is accurately about the things of Jesus. I would say that you and I desperately need the work of the Holy Spirit that we can speak and teach what God's called us to do accurately. It's a work of God. I want you to see that as you share the gospel. Why are you saying this, Blake? Because listen, on your job site, guess what? You have the Spirit if you are in Christ. The Spirit of God is your sufficiency. You rely upon the Word of God, but you're trusting the Spirit of God just the same as I am right now with you. As you share with your family, others you encounter, listen, you haven't gotten some second-rate, cut-rate Spirit. You've got the same Spirit that Paul had. The same Spirit that Peter had. These guys, Stephen, as he spoke. The Spirit of God is in you to empower you to speak and teach accurately the things of Jesus. Well, some other points that kind of stand out here. Again, he's speaking and teaching accurately, but he knows only the baptism of John. 
Guess what? It doesn't stop him from teaching. See, some of us here today are thinking, you know what, Blake? I'll start a Bible study with my children at home when I know enough. Some of you are saying, you know what, I'd love to start a Bible study on my job and maybe invite some co-workers to come or different ones, but I don't know enough. Blake, someday I'll teach that class in the church, but right now I just don't know enough. And I, I get that, but I want to ask you a question. If it's always about know enough, will you ever get there? Apollos is teaching, doing the very best he can, and we're going to see a beautiful moment. Guess what? When he doesn't know something, they tell him. He can change course and say, you know what, you're right, I didn't, I, I didn't get that, I, I missed it. So if you're waiting for the perfect moment when you can start the Bible study in your home or on your job or in this, somewhere in this community, when you know enough, man, that's like a dangling carrot the enemy just uses and uses and uses until the, your life's over. Start today saying, Lord, I do want to train. I want to commit myself. I'm, I'm submitting to other leadership in the church, Sunday school, different areas. I, I want to be discipled. But Lord, I, I'm going to move forward. You've called me that. You've, you've strengthened me. Look further with me. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. There's a boldness to his teaching. But listen to what happens here. This is a beautiful moment in the church. Verse 26. Again, we're talking about discipleship. How do we... The eternal purpose of the church is to proclaim the gospel to every nation. That's awesome. We'd be a part of that. But how does that start practically? That's what we're after. That's what Acts 18 is showing us. This is how it happens, all right? We can't just go out and say, let's send as many people out there as we can and hope everybody does awesome. No, he says, listen, there is daily training. There is moment by moment walking beside one another, equipping each other in Scriptures to prepare people to be sent. To begin to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. If you're not careful there, you miss the moment of grace. Look what it says. Remember, he's teaching, preaching, but obviously he has some deficiency. He doesn't even understand all, all, all the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all the working there. He's pointing everyone to Jesus to the best of his ability, what he understands, the life that he has. And Priscilla and Aquila, they hear him. They hear him. This is part of the church just forming there in Ephesus. But this is what the church started doing. When they hear him and he teaches or preaches something that does not match the Scripture, they say... Hey, you, 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 whatever. Paulos, you're wrong. You messed it up. Everybody messed it up. He's a loser. Don't follow him anymore. Oh, no, they run over and say, you know what, John? The dude got a Paulus guy. Man, don't follow him. He's all this. Look at this. I mean, can you believe he taught that? No. What do they do? They follow Jesus' instruction in Matthew 18. And don't murmur about him behind his back. They go straight to his face and say, hey, listen. Apollos, you're missing it. Guess what? This is healthy relationships, guys. I'm not always going to get it right. I know that. I had, this, this week, this text had to humble me. To say, listen, Blake, Apollos didn't always get it right. You're not always going to get it right either. You don't always get it right in your marriage, do you? Listen, as married folks, we can't go run to our best friends at work and say, my spouse is so terrible and da-da-da. We need to be able to come and speak the truth to our spouse, do we not? Kiddos, are you doing that about your parents? You're constantly murmuring behind their back, or maybe it's a teacher you treat that way. They do something and you think it's not right, and so guess what? You run behind their back to all their friends and tell them, 
Listen, guys, that's not what the New Testament is teaching us. The early church says, listen, Apollos, dude, you're not getting it right. And so what do they do? They take him aside and explain it to him. They, hey, listen, here, here's the text, Apollos. You're missing it. Man, that's a moment of grace that we need to show in the church, in our marriages, in your schools. We need to reflect these things, guys, when we see this. Listen, I struggle with it just like you do. The tendency for me is to run and talk about somebody. That's my tendency, I'll be honest. Or I'll be passive-aggressive, nice to your face, and, and nasty behind your back. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not telling you anything I don't struggle with today. I, I need this text just like you do. And watch what happens, though. He says, listen, they take him aside. They explain to him the way of God more accurately. Listen, you're not understanding it, Apollos. They need to explain it. That's, a, that's again, that's a community constantly examining. What do you hear preached and taught? Does it line up to what God's Word says? We see in a moment, though, here that Apollos has humility, doesn't he? That's a teachable teacher. He's willing to sit aside and say, listen, hey, I'm willing to hear what you have to say. There's a humility on his part. Teachers, Sunday school teachers, those that work with children and youth, others in leadership, who's teaching you? Like, where are you being challenged? Where are you growing at? This is, this is Apollos being grown. He's being challenged. That's part of discipleship. We aren't always going to be on the same page. We're not always going to see it. So how do we come back to God's Word and do our very best ability to follow that? Why do I say that? Well, I think the tendency is this. All right, stickers. Josiah, you like stickers, don't you, bro? Huh? He's like, yeah. Wednesdays are a big day for stickers at our house. Why? What, what do you get? Hey, Josiah. Hang with me, bro. Hey, listen. Um, why do you get stickers on Wednesday at school? How do you get them? Being on the green light, how many days? All three, right? So Josiah loves to come out on Wednesdays, Miss Lorraine, and puff it out, big chest. I got my sticker. That means I was green light. And for some of you, listen, you don't get that because maybe you're, you're like my wife, and I tell her often, hey, listen, baby, not everybody's like you in school. All right? You were the person the teacher put in charge to write my name down when she left the room, right? So when we get, we get stickers at the end of the week for green lights three days, we are excited about that. We're ecstatic. Like, man, we accomplished it another week by hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm fearful that we've done that with discipleship. Like, hey, I've done that. Um, I tried that at some point. Um, I, I tried to start a small group at work at some point. Or, hey, I did a Bible study at some point in the past. I got my sticker. I'm done. That's, that's not it. That's not it. Why? Because here's Apollos teaching the Word of God, and this guy still needs it. Preachers still need discipleship. I still need you. I'm not above you. I mean, that's one thing I don't like about the podium. I wish I could just stand down there, but I get it. It's hard to see at times, but... Listen, we're on the same plane, guys. Apollos needed discipleship. You've not reached the level that you no longer need it. You've not checked off and got your sticker, your check mark. This is discipleship for the entire church. Well, furthermore, the text goes on to say, and when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. Again, if we're not careful in a quick read in the text there, we miss something very vital. And it's this. Watch what happens again. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, so he's leave, wanting to leave Ephesus at this point, the brothers 
encouraged him. Now, there's some disagreement in the text exactly what's happening. If you're, you're carrying the King James this morning, you're going to see that they encouraged the church to welcome him, the churches of Achaia. Whatever the case is, there's encouragement in the life of Apollos. Why would this be huge? Because guess what? When you have a difficult moment with your spouse, get what you need to follow up. Lots of encouragement. As a dad, oftentimes I struggle with my kids. I'm real quick to pick apart and say, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have done that. But you know what we need? We need encouragement. So it doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth in love, but we're also encouraging folks. That's what's happening here in the life of Apollos. It's a beautiful moment of encouragement for him. Every healthy relationship needs that. Every relationship that you're in needs accountability, but also grace. Man, what a balance. And the beautiful side, like, I don't know where to get that. I don't know how to figure that out. Guess what? Here's the good news. In John chapter 1, it says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. So your relationships need Christ. Every relationship that you and I have, we need Christ. So he said, listen, the brothers encouraged him. They wrote to the disciples, hey, listen, welcome this guy. And I had to stop there and think, man, why, why would they welcome him? Right? I mean, he's just kind of messed it up. But look, look at the big picture of Apollos just for a moment. Just a couple things, real quick, and I'll point them out to you. Remember who we heard? He's, we heard that he was, verse 24, competent in the Scriptures. We heard that he had been instructed. That means he had been discipled. This dude was fervent in spirit. There was a passion. All right, he taught accurately about Jesus, right? So he got it right. He doesn't know everything. We get that. He also goes on to speak boldly. All right? He's a teachable teacher. Why? Because people can still teach him and explain things to him. And he actually listens. Here's what I would tell you. Guess what? As you are, are looking at any point for another pastor, for a Sunday school teacher, these are some really important things that I wouldn't miss out on. Here's, here's the danger. Whether it's a Sunday school teacher, whether it's in leadership in the church, pastor, whatever it may be, look what it says. The tendency is this. They're already coming to the altar. This is awesome. Sorry, Mommy. The tendency is to run after someone that can eloquently speak. And as long as they speak good, it doesn't necessarily matter all the times what they say. We're not really worried. Now listen, when it says fervent and spirit and boldness, that doesn't mean somebody stands up and yells. But there's a passion. They desire that you would experience what the Word of God is saying. There's an urgency. Listen, hear this gospel respond. So as you're looking and you're thinking, wow, listen, we're looking at the leaders of the church and people to teach. And man, here's a great list. Alongside places like 1 Timothy 3, it talks about the character of the person. So it's not just their outward gifts, it's also their inward life. But man, what a beautiful moment for the church. So no doubt, why, man, they are, they're sending forth saying, listen guys, welcome Him. And the text finishes by this. It says that when He arrived, He greatly helped those who, grace, who through grace had believed. For He powerfully refuted the Jews in public. Showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. And I want to finish here. Look what he says. It says, through grace, that they believe. It's through grace. As a church, if we're going to reach the nations, it's the eternal purpose of God to proclaim Christ to everyone, we are going to be utterly dependent upon the grace of God. Utterly dependent upon the grace of God in our own lives. God, keep me safe, God. And when I say safe, that doesn't mean by danger and harm. Safe, God, that I don't wander from the cross. God, keep my affections and my desires towards you. God, strengthen my faith. 
God, don't let me mis- mislead people by your text. Oh, God, I need more grace today, God. So there's a desire on our own part. But also, as we're sharing the gospel, we realize, listen, people love darkness and they hate the light. The only thing that's going to change that is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of God's spirit. As a church, we're going to have to cry out, oh, God, please pour out your abundant grace. Please, God, be merciful. Oh, God, your word says that you are patient. You are long suffering, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Oh, God, be merciful. Be patient with him, just as you were with me. See, we must come back. We must found the church on the grace and the love of God. The one that doesn't lead people into shame, but instead brings them out of their bondage and slavery as God comes to meet them and brings them here. And they pour out of belief and faith in Christ. Why? Because only Him, only Christ, can declare you before God innocent. And He says, listen, it's, it's, that's by grace. You can't earn it today. You can't clean up your life enough. You can't start doing enough outward modifications This is about your heart that God's looking at. And God's good news to you and I is that in His, according to verse 4 of Ephesians 2, the great love with which He has loved us. It's by grace you've been saved. He says, you want to know what will change a community? You want to know what will change your marriage? You want to know what will reach the nations? It is the great love of God in Christ toward us, sinners! That's the good news, the gospel. And God has given you his Holy Spirit to go accomplish it. So let's make disciples of all nations, not merely teaching people to know things. Jesus said to teaching them comes by the power of the Holy Spirit, guided by the truth of God's word. I want to be a part of that. Do you? That's our mission as a church. That's the eternal purpose of the church. And this is how the church carries it out. With people just like Apollos, people just like you and me, taking the gospel of the nations. Would you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that your word would speak forth truth. God, I, I pray today that, um, God, your word, it, it stoned me this week. There's been hard moments as I look at the text and I have to examine my own life. Lord, I, I pray the same for, for folks here today. I pray, God, that there are things that have, your word, it says it's like a, it's like a sword. God, it's, it strikes us. It cuts us. Lord, your word says it is like a hammer hitting the hard places of our hearts. So what I pray right now for the hard places of any of our hearts. Oh, God, that you would, your word would shine forth and just shatter those. I pray, God, for things in our lives that we're depending upon to make us good enough before you. God, I pray that we would not trust in those. I pray that we would just come today crying out for the grace and mercy of God, the forgiveness that is available in Christ, that we don't have to stand here today like my dog in shame with our heads turned away. You know our sin full well. And your son willingly laid down his life. He took our sin and shame. He took the curse of the cross that we could be forgiven and free. So Lord, I pray right now that the Spirit of God would speak and that you would bring people who came in, God, hating the light and loving darkness. But by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, they are experiencing putting faith and trust, their belief, their hope only in Christ. And Lord, I praise you for that's a work that I cannot do as much as I would love to bring them. God, I can't. So Lord, I, I, I just, we submit, God, this church, this community, this world, and pray now that you would raise up a community of disciples here. 
that we could take and proclaim the good news of Jesus to everyone. Lord, let us as a church be a part of your eternal purpose for your unending praise and the glory that will never end. It's in the greatest name that's ever been spoken, I do pray, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen.